narrative, as I said earlier, seems to take a drastic shift at this point. I mean, it's almost as if (laughs) Jesus and these two angels, okay, we did what we're supposed to do with Sarah. That's finished. Let's move on to something else. And it seems that their focus is getting to Sodom. I mean, that's what it reads, right? I would suggest that the rest of the chapter 18, of the rest of Genesis 18, is again focused on Abraham. Let me give you key point number three, and then we'll unpack that, the rest of the chapter. When you find yourself in the presence of Jesus, don't forget to intercede on behalf of others. Let's pick back up, verse 16. Now, keep in mind all that's just happened. I mean, it's like, yeah, oh, no, but you did. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom. <laughs> like, what? That's such an abrupt transition. It's like, okay, we, we're, <laughs> we did this. Let's head on to Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Notice that the Lord acknowledges Abraham's ministry of intercession. And notice that it begins in the home. Look back, verse 19. That he may command his children and his household after him. Wait a second. Abraham and Sarah don't have children. They have a child at this point. Ishmael has already been born. He's 13. But they don't have children, plural. They certainly don't have descendants beyond that. But look again. I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. The Lord knows what type of man Abraham is. He knows what type of father he's going to be. But let me first address this. Let me address the usage of the word may. It says that he may command his children and his household after him. It's not the same as maybe or he might. No, the word choice here is more of certainty. The Lord already knows the type of father Abraham's going to be. That he will teach them. And he will leave a legacy for generations to come. And he's going to prepare them to teach generations to come. So let me ask you a couple of questions. When you meet with the Lord, do you intercede on behalf of your children? When you meet with the Lord, do you intercede on behalf of your children? When you meet with your family, Do you intercede on behalf of the Lord? Our ministry of intercession 
begins in our homes. What did Abraham teach them? I mean, what was it that he was teaching them? Verse 19, let's, well, let's look. What does it say? It says that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. Notice the focus is not on Abraham's righteousness and Abraham's justice. That's not what we are to concern ourselves with. It says to keep the way of the Lord. So whose righteousness? The Lord's righteousness. Whose justice? The Lord's justice. There's four themes in the gospel. Creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. I'll give really quick. Creation, God created everything. And when he created mankind, he created us unique. He said, let us make man in our image, in the likeness of ourselves. He is making mankind. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, theologians are all over the place with, with certain things, but they can agree on a few things. One is that this is not really physical. This is not a physical uh, likeness of the Lord. But here's where else we can agree. That when Scripture explicitly tells us that these are things that are at least in part what it means to be created in the image of God, we can say with certainty, well, this is part of it. And in the New Testament, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us that we were created in his likeness, in his image, to reflect the righteousness and the holiness of God. That's at least in part what we were created to do. The problem is that second theme of the gospel, the fall. We messed it up. We are not doing a very good job of reflecting the Lord's righteousness or his holiness. We're doing a terrible job of it. Why? Because sin entered the world. And sin is in our life. And sin, sin makes its way, its, its ugly way into our life continually. And instead of reflecting the righteousness and holiness of God, we just reflect our own flesh. We reflect ourselves. And what are we? Sinful. The third theme of the gospel is redemption. That is a purchase out of slavery to sin. That God himself came to be the satisfaction, the, the, word, the word is used, propitiation, that he has satisfied the payment for our sin. That he has redeemed us and brought us out of our sin and our, and our slavery to sin. And he has redeemed us. But there's a fourth theme of the gospel, and that is restoration. And Jesus doesn't just buy us out of slavery. He then begins to work within us and has even given us a helper in the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and helps us to do what? Conform to the image of Christ. That's restoration. So what do we see happening here? What do we see happening in Genesis chapter 18? We see a man, Abraham, who just chapters earlier, Genesis 15, it was accounted, it was placed on his account, these are, these are the words of Scripture, that the righteousness of God was placed upon his account, that Abraham was accounted for righteousness, not his own, but the righteousness of the Lord. So what was Abraham doing? 
He was doing what we have all been created to do, to reflect the righteousness and holiness of God. What is Abraham teaching his family? The gospel, to reflect the righteousness and holiness of God. What does he want to teach his descendants? The gospel, the righteousness, to reflect the righteousness and holiness of God. Now let's pick back up at verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near him and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for 50 righteous there that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find Sodom, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. You see what he's saying here? He's not, again, it's not, it's not self-righteousness that he's after. He's saying, if you can find 50 people who are doing what they were created to do and reflecting your righteousness, Lord, 50 people that are willing to follow the Lord, would you spare them? Abraham answered and said, indeed, now I who and but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord, but suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, if there are 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there, were, there would be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose 10. 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. I once heard a Christian Jewish rabbi preaching this very text in which he said, and I quote, this negotiation between the Lord and Abraham is perhaps the most Jewish thing that Abraham does in all of scripture. And I absolutely laughed at the idea of, you know, Jewish negotiations uh, being at the, the punchline there. But Charles Spurgeon said this, if they, meaning referring to lost sinners, 
will not hear you speak. They cannot prevent your praying. Do they jest your exhortations? They cannot disturb you at your prayers. Are they far away that you cannot reach them? Your prayers can reach them. Have they declared that they will never listen to you again nor see your face? Never mind. God has a voice which they must hear. Speak to him and he will make them feel. Though they now treat you despitefully, rendering evil for your good, follow them with your prayers. Never let them perish for the lack of your supplications. There's two key aspects when we discern from this passage concerning our ministry of intercession. Our own walk has to be personal, a personal walk with Jesus. If you look back at verse 23, it says, And Abraham came near and said, the first thing that he did, he didn't just let him walk away. He didn't just let him walk off. Abraham was like, oh, you know, I, I, there's a few things I want to do before you guys walk off. And Abraham came near. Before you can intercede on behalf of others, you have to come near to the Lord yourself. If you don't know him and you don't have an abiding walk with him, how can you intercede for others? The second thing that we can notice is this, that when we walk with the Lord, we will actually be given insight into his plans and his ministry and what he's about to do. Verse 17, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? In other words, he's about to tell Abraham what his plans are. So what does all this mean for us? How do we wrap up this whole chapter? The final verse in chapter 18 tells us that the Lord went his way and Abraham returned to his place but when we turn the page you'll notice something strange when you turn the page and look at Genesis 19 only two showed up at Sodom the angels here at the end of chapter 18, it says Jesus went his way, Abraham went his way. It's as if to say Abraham went back to the tent. Jesus' Christophany appearance and its purpose is now finished. The angels can now handle what's going on at Sodom and Gomorrah. And the two angels head on in, and Jesus heads back to his home. I find that fascinating. Jesus apparently returns to heaven. Abraham returns home. And here's what that tells me. The entire Christophany that's recorded in Genesis chapter 18 was for the purpose of strengthening the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Do you want your faith to be strengthened? It does not happen apart from an abiding walk with Jesus. It doesn't happen apart from a transparent honesty before the Lord. One last thought, and then we'll pray together. 
never underestimate the importance of even a small number of believers. As few as 10 people would have saved the whole city of Sodom from destruction. That's all it took. But they couldn't find them. You realize that we have a sufficient number, even here this morning, to save the whole city of Mooresville? But what it depends upon, are we willing to say, Lord, I want to reflect not my own righteousness. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Lord, I want to reflect you. I want to reflect the image of Christ in my community. Oh, if the Lord could find 10 of us, we can change the whole city. Let's pray.